This afternoon, I'd like to go more deeply into talking about the three characteristics uh, of all experience, which I talked about this morning in giving the overview of uh, meditation practice. Um, and um, and I'll just I'll just repeat a couple of things that I've said so far. Uh, that um, the word vipassana. Uh, which is translated insight, um, has the sense of insight or seeing deeply into the nature of the body, the mind, everything we experience. So it's sometimes we use the word insight to talk about psychological insights. And, um, and those are very can be very helpful when we have psychological insights into you know our our habits our patterns our you know our uh, our you know our, our conditioning uh, the reasons why we react the way that we do and and so we we psychological insights can help us understand you know kind of what the conditioning factors were something about our story that um, that led to uh, us having these reactive patterns. Um, insight in, in the sense of meditation practice it's, is different. It's, um, it's really it's a direct knowing, uh, a non-conceptual knowing of the nature of what we are uh, what our life is, how, how we experience things. And, um, and so these, these insights, it's not a set of beliefs that, you know, that you're supposed to sign on to as uh, if you want to be a Buddhist, a proper Buddhist. You know, this is what you believe. Um, it's not a, something that we have to, uh, you know, adhere to because we're supposed to. They are... Um, uh, the Buddha has, has taught these uh, to invite us to mindfully examine each moment of our experience to discover if what he proposes is true. And so um, the three characteristics are impermanence, uh, anicca in Pali, and so the, see, the insight into impermanence is um, a seeing into the misperception that things are permanent, that things have endurance over time, um, that we can you know, count on things being the same. The insight, the second insight into the unreliable, in unreliability or um, or uh, unfulfilling nature of experience, um, dukkha, is a remedy for the misperception that that we can find some kind of lasting contentment and fulfillment 
and happiness through the sensory experiences of our lives. And so, um, really, it's uh, it's saying that you know it's not that that we can't find fulfillment in life. It's not that uh, it's not that uh, we can't have a sense of happiness and that you know work relationships and so on can't feel rewarding. But if we're looking for some kind of enduring happiness, pleasantness, uh, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be frustrated. And, uh, and that life, and the flip side of that, is that life dishes up a fair bit of pain, uh, loss, um, uh, separation, um, physical pain, Illness, aging, and death. So, um, so, so that's that. To 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 look deeply into the um, the dukkha of life is uh, to to become free of this this wrong perception that. You know, we keep chasing after this sense of, you know, this is going to make me happy. This is going to work. If only I get this, the next thing. And uh, and then the third is non-self. That um, that misperception, uh, the the teaching, the the insight into non-self uh, liberates us from the misperception um, that. That we, that others, um, but especially ourselves, are um, independent, permanent, uh, unchanging self, and um, and that uh, that the the separateness that would that we're separate from the world that we live in, and uh, and somehow independent of it. And in control, and somehow we're in control of of, uh, of our lives and how our lives unfold. And so these three are very interconnected. You know, um, we when we talk about them, we can talk about them one at a time. But really, they're they're really like the different facets of a of a gem. Um, but I'm going to shine a light on them one at a time. And um, and first, I'll talk about impermanence, anicca. So, in every way, from from the largest view, taking the largest view that we can of the whole universe to the very smallest, we, we see only change. There's, there's nothing that's not in flux. And most importantly, when we look at our inner experience, we see only change. And perhaps 
Um, you know, on this retreat, you've seen that uh, looking at the body, um, just bringing our in, our attention inwardly to the body and seeing seeing the flow of sensations, um, and perhaps noticing how how moods change as well. Looking at at the mind, body, mind, not being two, but we can look at them distinctly, you know, so we can look at at moods, mental states, and maybe you came in feeling in a particular way and uh, last night and this morning you woke up feeling something and then later at lunch you felt something different. And and uh, and when we bring mindfulness to this, you know, we see and when we see this flow, this this continual change, um, we we recognize that, you know, how how we get lost in in a moment's experience and th- and identify with it so strongly. Um, there's a uh, a little um, going back to the kind of the the big view the the geologic view. Um, you know, we we know from just looking at rocks how you know the earth has changed. So you know, we, we look at rocks and we we see the the sedimentary rocks turned on their side. You know, when we're going walking through mountains, and um, and we know that in a way the rocks tell the stories of the earth and. Uh, and so we know that where we're walking, which is now a mountain, was, uh, was once the bottom of an ocean. And, um, and it will continue to change. The earth is always changing. Uh, we are really seeing change in, in the climate, as, uh, and we may see accelerated change as, as we live our lives. So, so that's something that... Um, we're concerned about because it has an impact on on the quality of our lives and the quality of life around us. And there's a uh, a, a, a little statement by um, Zen Master Dogen, who uh, who lived. Um, I think he lived uh, about 500 years ago or so, maybe in the 12th century, 13th century a Japanese Zen master. And, uh, and he said, if you doubt mountains walking, you do not know your own walking. And so, in a way, can we see, see that mountains walk also? And they're, they're walking in a way which is not in our arc of observation. Our arc of observation is is much smaller. You know, we we live maybe a hundred years, uh, you know, probably less. Mountains walking is uh, over millennia. <clears throat> so um, so we see, uh, of course. Um, 
political change, um, climate change, seasonal change, and um, and we, you know, we may have this sense of resistance, like I don't want it to change, or I don't like the way it's changing. Um, and we also see our bodies change, and we may have resistance to that too. You know, I don't like uh, aging, or I don't want to become ill, um, or have an illness that I I need to live with. And so, so there's this sense of wanting to hold on to things being a certain way, the way that we want them to be. And so this creates this creates stress. I mean, of course, we can always respond. We can always respond in the world. We can respond in our lives. We can always do things that we feel are helpful. But, but, but the, the unfolding of change is coming from many, many causes and conditions. And, and so um, can we be at peace with change? Can we be at peace uh, in change? A presence of peace in the change of our own body and mind and the change that happens around us. We try to... Um, is a, well, there, there's a couple of poems that I, that I have about uh, impermanence that um, I think are really... Uh, Beautiful and wise, and one is by Wendell Berry, who's a contemporary um, poet and a farmer and and environmental activist. We clasp the hands of those that go before us and the hands of those who come after us. We enter the little circle of each other's arms and the larger larger circle of lovers whose hands are joined in a dance and the larger circle of all creatures passing in and out of life who who move also in a dance to a music so subtle and vast that no ear hears it except in fragments. And so there's there's an expression of of, uh, both interconnectedness uh, and and the change of of life seen as a dance, you know. He's he he uses in his poetry a lot of circles, and um, and so this this sense of um, these circles that we're we're connecting, we're we're moving away, we're um, we're passing in and out of life, and. Um, and in in a, in a way, something is is animating us, um, and and we can't know everything that is animating us, but but we can hear fragments of it. Uh, 
another poem um, about change is is by Rio Khan. Rio Khan is a a Zen monk uh, who lived in the um, in the 18th and early 19th century. And he uh, he was a hermit. He was a hermit monk, and uh, and he lived he lived a very simple life. And uh, and actually, he spent a lot of time his time playing with the children down in the village. And then he'd uh, he'd go back up to the mountain, and um, and just lived with just almost nothing. And um, and and. And sometimes people who recognized his wisdom uh, tried to get him more involved in the government and, and get him to take, you know, some high office and responsibility. But he just, you know, laughed and went, went back to playing with the children because that's, um, that was just what was coming through him and uh, what seemed most true to him. So this one uh, spoke to me about change. Blending with the wind, snow falls. Blending with, with the snow, the wind blows. By the hearth, I stretch out my legs, idling my time away, confined in this hut. Counting the days, I find that February too has come and gone like a dream. Blending with the wind, snow falls. Blending with the snow, the wind blows. By the hearth, I stretch out my legs, idling my time away, confined in this hut. Counting the days, I find that February too has come and gone like a dream. Don't you find that sometimes? Just, oh, where did... Where did June go? It's, you know, where did where did the winter go? Where did the day go? It's just just flowing, continually flowing. <clears throat> and and Ryokan's okay with that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we think that um, we think we we impose a sense of permanence, a sense of of uh, endurance on our experience because we have memories, you know. And we and so we remember something, you know. Oh, you know, so that you know, I I have that past, and and that's who I am. Um, but a memory is not really the past. A memory is simply a thought about the past. And no memory really captures this, the moment. So, you know, so for example, you know, this moment, this moment passing, this flow of moments passing, you know, there are, there are, th- 33 different 
experiences of this moment and um, and 33 different experiences of this retreat so it's um, and and even our memories you know so our memories are filters we, we, we take things in we filter them uh, they're not the real thing that happened it's just our perception uh, what we took in how we responded what we um, how we sensed and heard and felt it and um, and then when we go back and remember it again you know we change it there's, there's actually a fair bit of brain research that shows that the more we remember things the more we we bring them to our memory the more we change them in our memory and so so this because we have the, these memories we think that we are something stable, permanent, that endures through time. We think that, you know, the things around us, the people around us. But, but actually, we're all just, you know, in flux. And, uh, and when, we, when we can be mindful, when we can live with a sense of mindfulness of in the impermanent nature of everything, we can be more open to the reality that is manifesting uh, to us in this moment. So whether it is the reality of our child, how they are manifesting to us, maybe they're not being the person we thought they were or wanted them to be, maybe they're manifesting something very different, or our parent, or our lover, or spouse, or friend. So, um, so being open to the reality of impermanence helps us to be fully present and, and open to receive life as it's manifesting in this moment without imposing, you know, an idea that, that it should be the way it was yesterday and last year. And, and really uh, recognizing that who we are is not, and, and again, this, I'm going into some of the other uh, aspects of these three characteristics, but, but seeing the impermanent nature is also seeing the selfless nature, because, you know, I can, I can recognize that uh, the mind, you know, which maybe a moment ago was, um, was grieving or was angry or fearful or was loving or at peace, you know, in this moment, maybe, you know, something totally different. And, and that's, that's what's manifesting in the, the body-mind being now. And so can I open to that? Can I be present with that? So, um, 
So the the second is um, the this 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 quality of dukkha, and so just uh, because everything is changing, because we can't hold on, because we can't predict, then um, then when we try to do that, when we think, you know, uh, that we can we can hold on to an experience, or we can resist something uh, that's that's happening in our lives. Um, happening within us, happening in the conditions of our lives, then um, uh, then we, we suffer. We, uh, that creates stress and suffering. And so um, the Buddha taught a very a very profound teaching, which is, you know, he, he, he taught about suffering. He started teaching about suffering, and he, he pointed out the truth of suffering, and that was actually where he he began his teachings, and um, and he uh, and he said, you know, he asked himself, why? Why are we suffering? Why is there suffering? And and um, and 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 he he then taught the four noble truths, which is kind of the foundation teaching um, of of Buddhism, which are, you know, is the truth of suffering, um, the cause of suffering that we can become free of suffering and the way, the path to become free of suffering. And so, so the cause of suffering um, is this, uh, you know, coming out of this idea that, you know, I can, I as a self can find some kind of fulfillment in an experience, you know, so I, I grasp or I, push away and and then that all of that perpetuates my sense of self so so you know as an example um, you know uh, you go to work and um, and uh, you know you have you're given uh, an assignment that you don't want you don't want to do you don't like it it's not the kind of work you like to do um, or you're told that uh, an assignment that you were going to do, uh, you know, has to be changed, you know, adapted or or or, or canceled, and so um, so the reality is that you know the work is is the work. Now you know maybe you can make a, try to make a case for one way or another, but the suffering that comes in is that you know I. Um, am I want to do this work? I, you know, I'm I'm being perhaps uh, not treated the way I want to be treated, or I'm I'm uh, I have ideas about uh, you know how uh, how my work should be given to me, or or w- whatever it is. But it's it's this it's the agitation around. You know the simple issue that um, that okay, my work assignment has changed, and uh, so can I just do that, or or do I make a whole sense of self out of it? Um, the Buddha said, you know, life shoots us with arrows. You know, things that things happen that we don't like, things that are unpleasant, uh, things that change, things that we lose. 
Um, and, and we shoot ourselves with a second arrow by creating this whole uh, sense of self and, um, uh, and anguish and blame around it, self-blame, blaming others. So, um, so this, uh, this suffering is uh, the second. And so we can see this as, as we meditate and, um, uh, you know, a, a thought comes up, a desire, uh, a memory. Um, in itself, the thought could come and go. But we create uh, an agitation around it. We create a story around it. Um, we create a drama around it. We hold on to the drama. We, we get lost in the drama. We, we solidify a whole sense of self around the drama. And so, and so we struggle and struggle. And, um, and so, uh, so, so dukkha, dukkha. And then uh, the third, non-self. So, so non-self is, um, I talked about it a bit last night when I introduced the, the retreat. And, um, and so for a lot of people, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hardest for people to get their head around, you know, does that mean that I don't exist? You know, am I, uh, 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 if I if I say non-self, you know, does that mean you know, I'm not real? And um, and so you know that's not what it means. Uh, it, it, but it it's pointing to the uh, to to a truth that we don't exist in the way that we think that we do. We have a concept about being a self, and um, and so because of the transience of things, uh, because of the interdependence of things, um, we uh, we have a contingent. We could say we have a contingent existence, not a self-existence, not a self-existence in that we are. You know, independent, separate, um, somehow permanent. Because if if we if we want to say that we're you know a self, then somehow that has to mean something. It has to mean that somehow we exist separate from other things. So I like to use a the example of of a, a stick, this stick um, that I used to sound the bell. Um, you know, and and we could say that. Uh, you know, we could maybe assume that that this stick, you know, exists as a self. It looks like it's, you know, it's separate. It has, you know, it has its own weight and and uh, shape and form. But um, if we look deeply, if we look with the eyes of wisdom, with the eyes of insight, you know, we can see that in this stick. There is also 
um, rain and sun and earth um, because of course it came from a tree which needed those things um, in this stick there is a uh, there is the existence of human culture and communication because it's uh, it has these nice little turns in the middle um, which were made by a lathe you know which was invented somehow um, back in the uh, the dustbins of history it's uh, um, the mists of history somebody had the idea of creating a lathe and um, and then communicated it to other people so it's um, in this stick there's stardust um, because our own bodies and life on earth requires, you know, many, many elements, um, heavy metals, for example, zinc, gold, silver, and trace elements. We require all of these elements which are only forged in the birth of stars. And so this stick is um, a stardust. You know, or, or we can also just say... Um, you know, our bodies are about 80-85% water. You know, and, um, and, you know, what is the chemical composition of water? It's, it's H2O, two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen. Hydrogen, too, was, you know, formed in the, in the first moments of the, the bursting forth of the universe. And so, you know, you might think, you know, if you so if we're H2O, you might think, well, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. How old am I? Well, you know, how about, what is it, 12 billion, 14 billion? How old is the universe? It's a number that the mind can't take in. So, so we are, um, we have this, contingent existence um, the body, the mind you know, I could also talk about the mind how, how our minds are formed contingently as well by our cultures, our upbringing our religions, our language um, our society's views of gender our society's views of, of race of age of children so, um, so there are so many things that form um, who we are and how we think and and uh, and and how we live. So, um, so I've talked about impermanence. I've talked about how clinging, trying to cling to an experience to be one way or another way creates stress and suffering, how we can see this in our meditation, how we can see the selfless nature of experience, you know, 
in our meditation, sensations arise, thoughts arise, feelings arise, emotions arise. Are we say, saying to ourselves, you know, right now I'm going to think about, you know, what happened to me uh, last week? It just arises, you know, it's, it arises, perhaps something triggered it, um, we don't know, but that it arises selflessly. We're not in control. And so these are liberating, to these insights are deeply liberating, because, because the mind is, keeps trying to be in control. Uh, the mind thinks that it can protect us from unpleasantness and, and make things pleasant all the time. Um, and when we, when we really see the impermanent and the unfulfilling or unreliable nature and the selfless nature of our, our experience, we actually can, you know, in, in a moment, and maybe just for a moment, we can let go of this um, this compulsive needing to control. And we can perhaps begin to live more in uh, a trust, a trust in the unfolding of life, a trust in um, that, that we're held in life. So even, even in that which is difficult, even in that which is painful, even in that which is 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 loss or challenging, um, we can come from a sense of presence and trust that life is unfolding. So I'll I'll just end with this short poem by by Rio Khan again. It's called No Mind. No Mind means uh, um, that the mind which thinks it knows really doesn't. It's not in control. No Mind. With no mind, flowers lure the butterfly. With no mind, the butterfly visits the blossoms. Yet, when flowers bloom, the butterfly comes. When the butterfly comes, the flowers bloom. With no mind, flowers lure the butterfly. With no mind, the butterfly visits the blossoms. Yet when flowers bloom, the butterfly comes. When the butterfly comes, the flowers bloom. That, that sense of 
life arising contingently, interdependently. So let's sit for a few minutes. So as you as you come to the end of this short sitting, the bell will ring, and you'll change your posture. You'll arise and you'll you'll walk to to do some Feldenkrais practice or to do some walking meditation. Bring to mind, bring to direct awareness these characteristics of experience, impermanence, the unfulfilling, unreliable nature of sensory experience, including the mind, and the selfless nature selfless nature of of each moment arising and passing away. The contingent nature. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.